Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Obviously, a lot on the Jermaine Burton injury situation and what it means, what we still need to learn about that. We're going to do all that coming up, and that's obviously a serious topic. I'll be less serious here just for a moment because on this show, you know, I get to sit at this fancy desk, all these lights and all this studio stuff. I'm always happy when I get to do, like, newsman stuff, when I get to, like, pop my papers on the desk and say we begin today with breaking news but actually we actually do begin with some breaking news as we get going just as we go to air here this morning georgia making an announcement about a future schedule a home and home for 2026 and 2027 with louisville now louisville to be honest it doesn't do a ton for me but certainly interesting to see georgia adding another power five opponent for these upcoming future schedules if you want to look ahead here for the 2026 season georgia now scheduled to play obviously in-state rival Georgia Tech and UCLA in 2026 and in 2027 as it stands right now Georgia will play three ACC teams Florida State Louisville and Georgia Tech so UGA as we've said many times before has kind of led in and ushered in an era in which seemingly programs will be playing multiple power five non-conference opponents in each and every season Georgia does not seem to be slowing down on that now three power five opponents on the schedule for 2026 to 2027 and by the way these are some of the easier non-conference schedules that georgia has in the future a lot of these include the oklahomas the ohio states the texases and you know uh, plenty of clemson some of the biggest programs in football so the non-conference schedules for georgia in the future are very very interesting now you add louisville to that we don't know how good louisville is going to be in any of these future years we don't know how good georgia is going to be but certainly this adds to what has been a very aggressive scheduling standpoint in the part of the Georgia Bulldogs. And I'll also say this, a couple of years ago, I think it was the what spring, summer of 2019, when this first when this stuff first got talked about, it all seemed so far away at the time. Schedules way into the future. But here we are now in kind of the spring of 2021, and all of a sudden this stuff seems a lot closer to being here. And, you know, Georgia playing Clemson this year. You got uh, Oregon next year, which I don't know that folks have fully appreciated as as of yet. And you're kind of in the midst of that scheduling stuff. After that, big-time non-conference opponents coming each and every year. So add Louisville to that list, a home-and-home here in 2026 and 2027. So that just happening a moment ago. Most of you don't listen or watch the show live, so you'll probably already know that by the time you hear this. But for the folks who have tuned in live, and for me myself, just getting going here in the morning, that just coming to our attention now i want to talk about the jermaine burton situation for a moment and if you'll let me do this let me be kind of a geek here just for a moment because i do have kind of a geeky side the truth is i don't have a ton of formal education i'm not a train rider you know i'm not i've told you before i have a college degree but not from uga even back in the 90s i didn't have a chance of kind of getting into the university of georgia that just was not going to be something i was going to be able to do but i do read a lot i'm kind of i like to think of myself as self-educated i i read a lot and because i do read a lot I end up being kind of interested in words and also a stickler for words and their specific meaning. So let me give you an example of that. You know, when George Pickens went down with an injury the other day, I think it's fair to say that George Pickens suffered an injury. We know he's going to be out for months at least. He may come back before the season is done, but that's an injury that he suffered because he's going to feel some consequences to that. He's not going to be playing. He's going to require surgery. And I think it's very fair to say that Pickens suffered an injury. However, in the case of Jermaine Burton, and this is where like my geeky side shows up, but I, I do think this is for a purpose here. 
when George when, when Jermaine Burton deals with an injury, I think it's more fair to say instead of suffering an injury, because we don't yet know what the what the prognosis is for Burton. I think it's more fair to say that Jermaine Burton sustained an injury. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, what does it really matter between the difference between suffer and sustain? It matters a lot come September because we know George Pickens is not likely to be playing that early in the season. But there is still a chance that Jermaine Burton will be, because for now, all we know is that an injury has taken place during practice. Many of you have read this now on dognation.com and now we're just sort of left to find out how serious it ends up being and obviously there's a lot of hope among Georgia fans that maybe it ends up not being all that serious at all now part of the way in which we kind of get some of this hopeful stuff on this is related to something that Mike Griffith has written at dognation.com updating the story just this um, morning here latest from Jermaine Burton is this and I'm not going to ding Mike for using the word suffered in his story here but uh, I kind of gave you my take on that a moment ago he says our Georgia receiver Jermaine Burton suffered a hyperextended knee in Tuesday's practice, but sources close to the situation say the injury is not expected to require surgery. Burton, who has undergone an MRI, is expected to be held out of contact drills the remainder of the spring. So the big takeaway there is, is that it's not expected to require surgery, which obviously suggests, according to the reporting there from Mike Griffith of Dog Nation, that Burton might be back sooner rather than later. And that's all really good news. I was on the phone last night with some smart people, and they were kind of explaining to me that and not a specific diagnosis of Burton's situation, but, you know, kind of from the idea of, hey, sometimes when you see a guy kind of go down in a pile after an injury, obviously it always looks terrible, but sometimes some of these things have a way of not end up being quite as bad as they might look. That when you hear about, and I think Dog Nation had some reporting on this last night too, that you know Burton had to be carted off the practice field and things like that. If you're there and you see that face to face, you just have a tendency to think the worst because it looks awful. You know, a hyperextension, I mean, you know, you just based on the description of that, you know, the knee bending one way, body bending another, that clearly looks terrible. But sometimes smart people have told me the things end up not being quite as bad as they look. And based on the report there from Mike Griffith and just some of the chatter that exists around this, you obviously are left hopeful that maybe this isn't quite as uh, bad as it could have initially seemed. Or just, you know, like uh, this, this is the time of year where I'm running around doing a thousand things, you know, coaching my son in baseball last night. You know, you see all these text messages and tweets and everything like that of you know Jermaine Burton injury it's like the last thing you want to hear Georgia fans are so tired of having to do the next man up hey you know football is a tough sport you know bad things happen Georgia fans are just fatigued from all of that and the last thing any of us wanted to be doing today is talking about how does Georgia move on without Jermaine Burton for the upcoming season and it sounds like there's some chatter out there including what I just read from you from Mike Griffith that would suggest that maybe the situation's not quite that dire that maybe Burton could be back sooner rather than later even if he's out for the rest of spring and obviously we'll kind of keep a good thought that all that is indeed the case and in fact to kind of further this discussion for a moment i want to go back to last thursday's show here on dog nation daily presented by harris cherokee casino resort when at the time we were trying to figure out how does georgia replace george pickens one way or another we know pickens is going to be gone for a while you know superhuman recovery or not he's at least expected to miss some time this upcoming season if not the majority of the upcoming year there's you know precedent for coming back sooner than that but let's just kind of work on the law of averages here for a moment that Georgia is going to be playing some this season without George Pickens and in the midst of all that Jermaine Burton is clearly one of the guys that kind of has a bigger spotlight on him because of the George Pickens injury it's one of the reasons why dog fans were holding their breath so much last night when news of another receiver injury Jermaine Burton this time kind of showing up here a little bit in fact let me kind of 
sum all this up in the best way I can with what Terrence Edwards said. Terrence is obviously the only receiver in Georgia history to have uh, a thousand yards. He's you know kind of joked on last week's show that you know he had talked to some of the guys on that Georgia team, Pickens, Burton included, saying, "Hey, I'm ready for somebody to join me in this club here as a thousand yard receiver there at Georgia." And the sort of the subject of who replaces George Pickens. Listen, Burton is one of the names that Terrence Edwards has prominent at the top of his list in terms of being able to do that. This is what Terrence Edwards said about that last week. Jermaine and the rest of the, the crew has to step up. You know, you don't have to be George Pickens. You just got to be the best version of yourself. And when an opportunity presents itself for you, you have to take advantage of them. Yes, George Pickens. I think, as I've been saying for three years now, two years, that he's a number one guy. I think Jermaine Burton's the number one guy, but now Kiaris Jackson. I think D-Rob has to step up. I think Aaron Smith has to step up. Justin Robson is going to get his shot. Now, you know, this is why you recruit these top guys, because once a guy goes down, another one has to step up. That's just the nature of football, the next man up, and you have to take that slack up. I think Terrence Edwards is exactly right there. It reminds me of something else we talked about a couple of days ago on this show. Do you remember the piece from Tom Fornelli, CBSSports.com, looking at, you know, what George Pickens' injury means? And I'm not sure where Fornelli got these stats, but they were very interesting about, you know, the average depth of route run by Georgia receivers a year ago. Clearly, Pickens was number one on that list, but Jermaine Burton was number two. Average yards per target, both at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season, two different quarterbacks, but when Pickens was playing, he was clearly the the most efficient Georgia receiver with the average yards per target, but but when it comes to getting the most out of the balls thrown to him, Jermaine Burton was number two on that list. As Terrence Edwards said, that much the same way we know that George Pickens is a number one receiver for Georgia. Terrence says, when I look at Jermaine Burton, I also see a number one go-to level receiver there as well. We also know this, and y'all have heard me say this so many times that I'm sure many of you are tired of hearing me say it. The obvious connection between explosive, high-powered offenses and top success at the national championship level. I mentioned Fornelli from CBS Sports. The other stat that he gave us and the story that he wrote the other day in the aftermath of George Pickens' injury was that since 2017, there have been 13 receivers taken in the first round of the NFL draft, and seven of those 13 have played in a college football playoff game at some point in time in their college career. What that stat suggests you is there's obviously a pretty strong connection between high-level, first-round draft pick-style receiver play and big-time college football team success. The quarterback position remains the most important single position in all of team sports, but in college football right now, the wide receiver play, the group of guys that make up that wide receiver room, frankly, it's not falling that far behind in this discussion of what really matters when it comes to success. So receiver play is going to be key for Georgia this upcoming season. We know that at least for a while – Georgia won't have George Pickens, and they may not have him for the full season. We are holding our breath that the news is better for Jermaine Burton. There's reason to believe that it might be. Burton overcoming this injury, getting back on the field, giving Georgia a chance to have, as Terrence Edwards described him, a number one style receiver, go-to type receiver, potential thousand-yard guy that Terrence has also suggested. Hoping for good news on this, maybe getting some of that good news, that is clearly going to be key for the dogs in the weeks and months to come. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Paris Cherokee Casino Resort. Good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. All kinds of video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, of course, with our friends in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you get them. 
the Apple Player, the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Many of you listen right there through SoundCloud. We did successfully post the podcast yesterday after a little bit of an issue on the uh, website the day before. So huge thanks to all of you being a part of it. Big time fun there. And of course, big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, which make it all possible. You know, uh, it's obviously springtime. We got spring break coming up. My kids are about to be off of school. Many folks kind of going through the same kind of stuff. And it's so amazing. Everybody gets a little case of what I would call senioritis this time of year, where you're just look, looking to get away. You're looking for a vacation. You kind of need something. Well, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort can certainly provide that for you. It's only a two-hour drive from Atlanta, whether it's the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort property or Harris Cherokee Valley River. And the good news about the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort stuff is, is that the book is now open. Sports gaming going on right there in the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. A lot of folks getting action down in those tournament games. You know, they're at uh, Harris Properties. Of course, the sports uh, I should say the gaming floor completely reimagined social distancing mine gourmet restaurants world-class shopping luxurious spa all of that available for you there just two hours away whether it's the harris cherokee casino resort property or harris cherokee valley river if you want to find out more about all the really fun things going on there at harris as we kind of get back to normal here a little bit this year in 2021 check out this website it's caesars.com slash harris cherokee that is caesars.com slash harris cherokee and you can find out a whole lot more about that. I hope you'll check that out today. So we got Mike Griffith coming up in just a moment. Mike has written and reported a lot on the Jermaine Burton situation. We'll let him hopefully continue the kind of you know hopeful tone that seems to be out there that maybe the Burton injury wasn't as bad as it initially seemed like it might have been. We'll do that here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, around the doghouse. And this is, I think, all good news. Uh, and it's not big news necessarily as we go around the doghouse, but it's certainly interesting news. There continues to be reason to think that Georgia might actually be fairly closely connected with a big-time name in the transfer portal, defensive back Tyke Smith out of West Virginia. And a lot of this we have to thank is the folks on social media. Now, listen, sometimes, I mean, like anybody else, thinking, man, some of the worst stuff in the world it seems to happen on Twitter – but also, at times, some of the best stuff seems to go down there on Twitter there as well. Because let me give you an example of something that we would not have seen in like ancient times, right? Pre-social media. A fan kind of putting it out there of, hey, this is what Tyke Smith would look like in a Georgia uniform. In fact, let me show this to you on the screen here for a moment. So a fan kind of puts together this edit of Tyke Smith kind of looking good there in a Georgia uniform. His name is at uh, uh, TriggerTray7 on Twitter. Long live Fred. Uh, and so he kind of also kind of tags uh, Zamir white and lewis seen in this tweet two guys that had uh shouted out tyke smith on twitter you know going back to when smith first put his name in the transfer portal it's really good at it really nice job tyke smith there and then smith acknowledges this on twitter himself with the eyeball emoji essentially saying that he sees georgia and obviously it's only going to fan the flames even more for the idea that Smith truly could be one of those names that George is looking at for a couple of its final roster spots, maybe bringing him in as a transfer. Smith, of course, great year a year ago there at West Virginia. And this is not just me saying this. You know, going back to what Friday's show here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, I had Jeff Sintel, our Dog Nation recruiting insider. George obviously looking to fill out its roster the best that it can. And Jeff kind of agrees with me that. 
you know, for all the you know defensive backs we've kind of mentioned on the show and saying, hey, maybe this is a guy that George is going to go after. We might have been the boy who cried wolf on some of that kind of stuff, but that doesn't mean the Smith thing might not be kind of real social media evidence to kind of back all that up. This is what Jeff Sintel said about Tyke Smith going back to uh, Friday. Take a listen to this. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more uh, smoke to that one. I think this one is, you see on some lists out there that he was one of the top 25, top 30 players in all of college football last year. First of all, doesn't he have more starts than just about every other member of the Georgia secondary combined? That's a lot of that playing experience that a school like Georgia would like to pull in. And, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, you look at Georgia's numbers and they have the room to, to bring in another impact guy. So, listen, I know a lot of people the other day were making a big deal about – or not making a big deal, just kind of noticed that I guess Neil Brown, the West Virginia coach, when they are starting spring practice, was asked about Smith not being there. And Brown kind of used the phrase of something like it was like a mutual parting of ways. I think I said this on the show the other day. There's no such thing as a mutual parting of ways with a all-American defensive back, something that Smith was. Brown may have been trying to save face with all of that. This is clearly a top-flight player. You know, in terms of being a fit for Jamal Adai, being a fit for the Georgia defense, I'll let the coaches themselves decide that. But if we're going to play fantasy football for a moment here and say, hey, you need to upgrade your defensive secondary, who do you want to get? As Jeff said, a guy from West Virginia who started a 1,000 games and gotten massive praise from Pro Football Focus, Football Writers Association of America, Associated Press. You know, a lot of folks have kind of designated him on those end-of-year lists. I think, to me, this is clearly a player that you want, and certainly he's not doing anything on social media right now. I mean, Tyke Smith, the player involved, he's not doing anything on social media right now to make it seem like he doesn't at least strongly consider Georgia. There are other you know schools in this recruitment, of course. I'm not going to pretend that, but there may be something here, and this one certainly feels like one worth watching here for a moment. It's Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. we got plenty of SEC news coming out before we're done here today, including, by the way, speaking of Georgia, maybe being in the market for a graduate tra- or a transfer defensive back, there is also uh, news out of the SEC with a former pretty big-time recruit who appears to that he's on his way to the transfer portal as well. In fact, he's already in there right now. So we've got SEC news to cover here in just a moment. Let's do all that. But first, latest in the Jermaine Burton situation and kind of everything else going on at UGA, let's talk to uh, Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So good reporting this morning, DogNation.com, from Mike Griffith on the latest in the Jermaine Burton injury situation. Maybe better news than some of us might have feared when we first heard about that. Mike, I obviously want to get to a lot of that with you. Let me just do a couple of things here before we uh, kind of move to that topic. I was just talking about Tyke Smith, the West Virginia, former West Virginia defensive back in the transfer portal. To me, this looks like a pretty good-looking player, and just based on some of the social media stuff, Samir White, Lewisine, Smith himself, seems like there may be a little bit more substance to the idea that the Tyke Smith could potentially land at a place like Georgia than maybe some of the other transfer defensive backs we've talked about thus far this offseason. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair assessment, BA. I, I think all signs point to that. And certainly Kirby Smart's uh he's been transparent. He said they you know, they'd look for experience. If that opportunity came up, he would look for uh, a DB. And West Virginia's defense was good. You know, the secondary was good and, and certainly uh Jamila Dye uh coached uh, this young man and and um you know, there was another West Virginia guy that came out and, and you know, he, he didn't go to Georgia, you know. So you get an idea here that, that Georgia kinda has their arms wrapped around the situation the they know what they want. They know what they like. Uh, there's still a lot of competition within the Georgia defensive backfield. Keely Ringo, 
playing his way back into shape after the torn labrum. Uh, maybe not quite 100% yet, but getting there, certainly fast enough. Uh, Jalen Kimber, a guy, um, you know, he's a guy that's uh, kind of rattled, rattled the tree and, and see what falls from there. I mean, that's a really that was a talented guy. Uh, he gets overshadowed a lot by, by Ringo. And then Amir Speed, you know, Kirby Smart said at the very least he was one of the best kickoff return guys in the country. And, and now he enters year four uh, fighting uh, for time, hoping to maybe uh, make that time that he invested in Georgia pay off with more playing time in the secondary. So I, I kind of look at it like this, B.A. I look at that schedule, and I think the first game's going to be a shootout. I, I really do, regardless of how many transfers they land. Uh, I just think Georgia Clemson is headed for the 30-something to 30-something type of exciting thriller. Uh, but after that, Georgia's schedule wanes so much. I think you've got time to, to break in your secondary. That, that's not even necessarily my biggest concern with the team anymore. Yeah, obviously we'll get to the the other situation, including Jermaine Burton here in a moment. Let me just squeeze this in real quick before we do. As we're coming on the air this morning, most of our audience will already know this by the time they hit the show, but this was new to me, new to you. Just a couple of minutes ago, Georgia announcing a home-and-home in 26-27 with Louisville. Frankly, in comparison to some of the other Power 5 non-conference opponents Georgia's recently signed for games with, this one probably not quite as exciting for me, but the news, at least on my end on this, is Georgia continuing that notion of playing multiple Power Power five non-conference opponents in, in in seasons in 26. Georgia will play UCLA, Louisville, and Georgia Tech. In 27, Georgia will play three different ACC schools. I guess going for an ACC title on top of an SEC championship there as well. <laughs> uh, aggressive scheduling for Georgia seems to be the 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 way forward here in in future years. It would seem. Yeah, you know, Kirby said this, and he kind of reeled it back later, but I, I think he, he kind of indicated that he thought we were trending towards an expanded playoff to eight teams. And if that's the case, then, you know, yeah, you could you can afford to be more aggressive with your scheduling. Now, I'll plant this seed with you, B.A., and I don't know where it's going to go. But if you're playing this many home-and-homes, I really wonder about the future of the game in Jacksonville. You know, I, you could be looking at three or four games away. From, if this were a bye game, when I say a bye game, I mean a team, a lesser team that you don't have to give up a home and home to, right? You just get them to come play at your stadium every year. Um, you're starting to give a lot of games away from Sanford Stadium, and it really makes me wonder what's going to happen after 2023 with Jacksonville because, you know, you could be looking at three or four, you know, games away from Stanford plus half your SEC schedule or two or three plus your SEC schedule in certain years. So, I kind of wonder if this puts the writing on the wall for this, this series in Jacksonville to end in 2023. I don't know that, but I think it's a fair question to ask when you keep adding home and homes instead of bye games. So we'll certainly follow that and see where all that goes. Obviously, in the mind of Georgia fans, the Jermaine Burton situation, you're reporting on that dognation.com as we said you know maybe more hopeful than i mean listen i'm coaching baseball last night a lot of folks kind of in the same boat as i am running around doing a thousand things you know you hear jermaine burton injury on the heels of the george pickens thing the other day people have a tendency to want to think the worst you know just that sounds bad in your ears to even say that maybe though not as bad as it could have been what can you tell us about this right now i can just see ba ba looks at his phone and says and the umpire says, "I didn't even make the call yet." Yeah, yeah. What do I, what do I, what do I think about this? Uh, I think it's good news that that he's not going to be out for the season, apparently, and that he may be out for the spring. We'll have to wait and see. Hyperextended knee uh, is tricky, and, and I credit Connor. Connor picked up. I was, I had looked on Twitter on social media, and the Georgia football account puts out these great highlight videos. And sometimes we write stories off them, like, "Oh, look at player X making that catch," and player B doing this. 
And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be, I can write a story out this. Connor noticed they pulled that video. It's like, oh, you can't see this guy if he got hurt later. Is that like bad luck or something? I mean, why pull the video? So what? I mean, what, he, there were like 12 other guys featured in this video. Georgia like pulls it. Like, so I, I don't get it, but it was a hyperextended knee. Uh, what we know right now, hyperextended knee, uh, MRI to this point, no structural damage. And at this point, we don't believe there's a need for surgery. But remember, these, these knees swell up. They like to examine them. They like to watch them closely. I know everybody wants the conclusive answer right away. Um, but the, the, And the doctors at Georgia are as good as anyone. But there, there's a process to go through before we know for sure. So right now, B.A., it's looking like this won't be something that will keep Jermaine Burton out for the season. Uh, I do believe uh, he's, he's likely finished for the spring. I think he would do that as a precaution anyway. Uh, just like Kenny McIntosh's dislocated elbow will not require surgery. At this point, we do not believe that Jermaine Burton's uh, hyperextended knee has the sort of damage that would lead to surgery. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you see a hyperextension take place, obviously to your eyes, it looks terrible, right? And I don't imagine that if you're one of the guys on the sidelines yesterday or on that practice field when something like that occurs, I mean, in the moment, you would have a tendency to think the worst because we've all kind of seen this before. But, you know, sometimes things it swings both ways, right? Sometimes we've seen injuries that didn't seem that bad at the time that turned out to be far worse than they initially appeared. And in some cases, the the thing that looks like it's really terrible because obviously it's almost gross to even see a hyperextension occur, uh, if, if that is indeed what happened here, that sometimes it's not as bad as it necessarily looks right away, right? Yes, and, and, and everyone's a little bit different. We, we've seen some. We've seen players, uh, you know, have injuries that looked worse than they were, and then of course we've seen injuries that look relatively uh, innocent that, that turn out to be uh, more damaging. So again, I I hesitate to try to provide too much expertise or insight because my information is limited at this time. Um, it would appear at this time that Georgia dodged a bullet. And, and one more thing, I'll echo with you on the Louisville game. I don't get it. I'll just, I'm just going to say it, B.A. I don't get it. This game doesn't excite me. I, I, it should excite Louisville, but even when Louisville's good, it's kind of a you know, passing thing. I mean, I just – you beat Louisville, so what? You know, it put them in the category with Georgia Tech. I, I mean, schedule – I don't get it. You got a friend. Does somebody got a friend there they want to play? Because I don't see how a trip to Louisville excites Georgia, if I'm going to be honest. So you, I guess you don't want a Kentucky hot brown sandwich from the, from the Brown Hotel. I, I mean, That's I, not what you're I, looking I, to have. I mean, is there any way we could – how about we schedule a spring game around the Kentucky Derby? I mean, I just – I believe there's a horse race. I, it's, look, how about a basketball home-and-home? Home? You want to get Georgia fans excited? How about Tom Crean gets to play him in basketball? This is not a football school. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put thumbs down on – I've just – I've got to be honest. This is thumbs down. This is not exciting. It's a bad bowl opponent. When you have a bad season, you play Louisville in a bowl game. This team's good once every 10 years. You know, they, they just, you beat them, and so what? Well, Julia, Georgia beat Louisville today. Who cares? You know, I mean, give me somebody I get excited. How about Oregon? Huh? Josh Brooks, do you know anybody up there? How about, or, how about well, Oregon? Well, in fairness, they are playing Oregon about, next year. Uh, well, Michigan, home and home. You haven't been to Eugene. I've been to Eugene. I've been up there. Michigan State uh, played home and home. Let me tell you, that is a great location for a game. That is an unbelievable environment. How about Michigan? How about Ohio State? I can give you six or well, they're seven. Also, but hold, on, hold on, but they're playing Ohio State. They're, 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 they're going to be playing them in a couple of years. I forget which year. But, well, my, but my, my point is Louisville's not in the same conversation. How about Texas? Well, they're playing Texas right? too. 
I mean, Oklahoma. Like, they're got, playing Oklahoma. See Oklahoma coming up. But Louisville, does Louisville follow? You see what I'm saying? Louisville is not in the same conversation with those teams that I just mentioned. Yeah, no, I they're said not. that. No, I said that uh, as well. I mean, this is not as exciting for me as the uh, non-conference series that you just mentioned that Georgia's all playing. But it is more exciting than like McNeese State or uh, you know Murray State or uh, you know whatever you know directional school. So I mean, they're obviously more high-profile non-conference series that Georgia's playing, and obviously those are bigger headlines. When you say we're going to go play Oklahoma and Norman, that's a bigger deal than playing Louisville at you know Papa John Stadium. But it's still better than playing, you know, uh, College of Charleston or whoever else. But, but but is it? But is it because you get you're given you're given this is a home and home. This, again, I'm going to say this: again. these games at Sanford Stadium. I don't understand the blind spot here for Georgia. I, I believe this, and I'm an outsider, but I'm going to say it. Sanford Stadium is one of the best environments. In, it's one of the top five. It's one of the most incredible places. If you were at the Notre Dame game, you understand it. One of the most incredible places to watch a football game is Athens, Georgia. One of the top five in the country. For you to give up a home game to go somewhere, it better be worth it, man. It better be worth it. And Louisville ain't worth it. I'm going to tell you, it ain't worth it. But Now, some of these other venues you mentioned, you know, UCLA, Oregon, we're not even playing at Oregon, but Texas, it ain't worth it to go to Louisville to give up a game. It ain't worth it to go Georgia Tech, in my opinion. You give up. Georgia gives up more home games for garbage than any other major program in the country. Mike, but they're getting. I mean, you're not giving it up. You're getting one back. And I'm sorry, in 2021 or whatever, 2026, if you want to, you know, look ahead, there is just no appetite for big SEC school against you know directional school. Fans just don't want that kind of stuff anymore. They have those games this year, and they're complaining about them by and large. I mean, well, I, I love well, Sanford Stadium. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish my point. I'll let you say whatever you want. I love Sanford Stadium as a venue. I love being between the hedges. I always have. But this is not the way things used to be. Fans are just not quite as tolerant of non-competitive football as they once were. So playing any school out of the ACC is better than playing directional school. Fans are just tired of those kinds of games. I, I understand it, and that's why it's crazy that they give up the Florida game every other year because that's always a great football game, and it belongs in Athens. That's one point I'd make. It's also crazy to play Georgia Tech in Atlanta every other year when they're a garbage program that you get no credit for beating. So to your point, I agree. You need to have more competitive games in Athens than you have right now. If you're an Athens season ticket holder, you've got to be kidding me. You played three home games last year because the Gator Bowl president wanted to travel during the pandemic and play Florida and Jacksonville. This is crazy how many games they give away. Crazy. I agree that you don't just want the buy games, but say this for the buy games. It does make money for the school when they have a home game and they get that gate. And they pack them in. I agree with you. I prefer the home and homes, too. I think it's a lot more fun. I'm just looking at Louisville, and I'm just like... Let me see if I can bring this back to Jermaine Burton here for a moment, because... You know, we, we played some audio of Terrence Edwards before you joined us, and one of the things that Edwards said about Burton last week, prior to the injury that he's uh, sustained right now, is that he views Burton as a potential number one receiver to kind of go along with what obviously we'd all say that George Pickens probably is. And I think that's probably true. You know, if we assume full health for Burton, and if we assume, you know, Pickens off the field right now because of an injury, if you said to me, who could most closely replicate what Pickens did a year ago? You know, despite the experience of Kiaris Jackson, the speed of Arian Smith, even the the injured players like Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint, eventually returning from those injuries, 
to me, for now, based on the full package for all these guys, if Burton's healthy, I would say that he is the most likely to replicate or come the closest to replicating what you think that George Pickens might have been able to provide for you. So to me, it's another reason why an eventual healthy return for, for Burton by the time you're playing games again, why that's so important. I agree. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I think Burton is a talent. Uh, he's an explosive receiver. He's not the same kind of receiver as George. I don't know who is. Let's be honest. Pickens is one of a kind and was going to have a 100 catch year. But I, I, I'll say this. I'd look for Justin Robinson at that position, too. I, I'm not counting him out. I, I think Burton's a guy, as Kirby said, that he wants to be able to play multiple positions for, for good reason. So I, I think it's important. I don't think Burton's going to come anywhere near the numbers that Pickens would have put up. And, and I know we go back and forth on cover four, and we will again this week. Everybody knows we're going to do that Thursday night show. is going to get us all fired up at each other. We'll argue about this, too. I think you're going to get at least 100 targets that are going to be spread out that Pickens would have gotten. But I don't think Burton's an 80-catch guy. I think he's more like a 50-60-catch 50, 50 guy. I think you're going to see more now of the Justin Robertson kid. I think he's impressive at 6'4", 220. He's that big target you like at the X. Um, not sure how Arian Smith's doing right now. Haven't heard a whole lot about him, B.A. He's fast. But remember, this air raid, there's a lot to learn and they've got to be on the same page uh, with JT Daniels. Uh, Kiaris Jackson is a guy you know is going to be in JT's pocket. So a lot of this is yet to be determined, and it's not just going to be determined on talent. It's going to be determined on the uh, football aptitude of these players and their ability to be on the same page with JT and learn this very complex but very successful offense. So I'm going to say 50, 50 catches is probably my number for Burton right now. I do think he'll be the number one receiver but I don't think he'll have the same kind of year that George would have had. All right, Mike, good reporting on the uh, Burton situation. Appreciate you uh, giving some hope to Georgia fans there this morning at dognation.com. Look forward to reading everything else you have coming out on this in the days ahead. And we, of course, appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And we will look forward to speaking to you again soon there as well. Thanks, B.A. take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through yeah so it's interesting when you look at the receiver situation for georgia like here's where it kind of comes down for me is that this is a uh position where experience matters and i I think for burton last year who i I said before you know you go back and look tom fornelli cbs sports kind of had some of the stuff you look at the ways in which burton was used last year he showed you some flashes you know, Kyrus Jackson had moments where he had, you know, the 100-yard receiving games and back-to-back games, something that Georgia receivers had not really done on the regular. So that's a guy I think you can, you know, depend on this year. But in terms of the kind of spectacular stuff, the stuff that most closely, you know, mirrors and resembles what uh, George Pickens had done, I think Jermaine Burton did show you some of those flashes. I, I love what Terrence Edwards said on last week's show of he had been on the phone with, you know, uh, both those guys saying, Pickens and Burton saying, hey, you're going to join me in the club. I'm by myself in this thousand-yard receiver club in Georgia. I need somebody else to join me in this club. And Burton's clearly one of those guys that has a chance to do that. And if this injury is maybe, you know, you know, on the less serious side, as there's, you know, hope for right now based on, you know, what Mike just said there and wrote at dognation.com, then maybe he still has a chance to do that. But if you want to compare, you know, Burton to someone like Arian Smith, Smith rated higher as a recruit. Smith, one of the four top ten receivers that Kirby Smart has signed during his tenure as Georgia coach. But, you know, Burton has, you know, prodigious athleticism himself, and he also has more experience. And it could be that, you know, coming back from what we hope might end up being a minor injury, that 
he's just a little farther along from a health standpoint than someone like Dominic Blaylock, who's now kind of you know dealt with two of these injuries over the course of the last you know year plus. And obviously Marcus Rosemi Jackson, we all saw how serious uh, you know his injury was on the field last year against Florida. So listen, Georgia has dealt with a lot over there at that spot. You know, a lot of wide receivers being injured. But the good news is, even through all of this there are still a bunch of potential names and listen you know i would never pretend to be an offensive coordinator i would never pretend to know what it is that makes an offensive coordinator special but here's the one thing when you watch football now you do get a sense of it's not just the plays you call it's like the alignment you have before the play the formation the pre-snap motion everything else you know that's all part of the formula for how you get these receivers open it's not just hey big athlete go out jump somebody fast guy go out run somebody it's no let me kind of you know put an alignment put a motion sequence together let me put a formation together that befuddles opposing defenses and i don't know that georgia has ever been in better hands with the opportunity to do that this season than what uh todd munkin has a chance to do in year two so the spotlight continues to be on him it continues to be on you know uh, jt daniels at quarterback delivering the football to these guys it's not going to be easy, obviously, without George Pickens, and it would be even harder if you thought you're going to be without Jermaine uh, uh, Burton for a, for an extended period of time. But but the chances are there, and so we'll kind of we're going to see how all of that goes, and we'll kind of follow all of that. Let me say this as we transition our SEC through. First of all, shout out to my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You know, they can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. It's raining right now. The last thing you want is the water that's coming from the outside to like come into your house because. Either your, you know, your windows were not sealed properly, door not sealed properly. That's what energy-efficient windows and doors are all about. It keeps the stuff on the outside on the outside. The stuff in the inside, the, the heating, the air conditioning that's supposed to be flowing, keeping that on the inside. It also makes your house just look better, curb appeal improvements. It's all what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can do for you. Very easy to get in touch with. 678-638-1496. That's the number. 678-638-1496. Or website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Tell them DogNation sent you. Between now and April 1st, so just a couple of days left to take advantage of this. 10% off an entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. All right. As the SEC through rolls on here, let me also remind you of this. This afternoon, 3 p.m., on the SEC Country uh, video channels, SEC Country on Facebook, SEC Country Live on YouTube, SEC Country Live returns today. A couple of the stories we're going to be talking about in greater depth there on that show. A top 100, former top 100 signee from Florida, defensive back Jahari Rogers, has entered his name in the transfer portal. This was first reported by Matt Zenitz, AL.com. It's since been confirmed by folks there in Gainesville. Sounds like Rogers had kind of fallen out of favor in terms of the playing time he wanted to get. And so now he's going to look for greener pastures. So I guess in the case of Dan Mullen here, the portal giveth. Obviously, Florida's had some high-profile transfers, and the portal taketh away. So Rogers apparently not in line to be a starter in Todd Grantham's defense there this year, has decided to put his name into the transfer portal. So the Gators will lose a little bit of depth here with Jahari Rogers uh, not there. Let me also follow up on a story that we'll be talking more on SEC Country Live about today that kind of goes back to about a week ago at this time. 
We talked about Jay Graham being out at Alabama as special teams coordinator and uh, tight ends coach. The replacement for him looks like, according to Football Scoop, is going to be Drew Svoboda. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. Svoboda. I believe there was a Ron Svoboda on the 69 Mets. I don't know if Drew is in any way related to a Ron here. I'm assuming probably not. But Drew Svoboda is supposed to be the replacement, according to Football Scoop, for Jay Graham in Alabama. A little unorthodox for Bama to lose an assistant coach during spring practice. Come to find out, Graham may be dealing with some personal issues as he was you know good enough to kind of share openly about so Alabama forced to make the replacement here sort of uh, Zvoboda boy that's a mouthful for me to try to say a lot, a lot, of, a lot of consonants in that name uh, I guess was in line to be special teams coordinator at Memphis this year had worked previously at Rice I think some Alabama fans kind of think that those Texas ties might be a uh, good thing there on the uh, recruiting front especially after you know losing a special teams coordinator that had a good bit of inroads there at Texas so that is uh, what's going down there according to football scoop Ron's I should say Drew's Voboda a potential replacement for Jay Graham according to football scoop remember JJ Pegasus that's another name that's kind of hard for me to say the very you know big 300 plus pound tight end there at Auburn a little bit of rumblings and grumblings and Brian Harson, the Auburn coach himself is even at least given a little bit of voice to this, the idea that Pegas, and I'm, I think I may be mispronouncing his last name, but that's the way it looks to me phonetically, that the big 300-plus pound tight end may actually give defense a try at Auburn at some point in time this year, that he actually may be a two-way player as a you know large, I mean, just noticeably large tight end who may also eventually get a chance there in the defensive rotation there. Uh, that's that's pretty interesting stuff uh, for Auburn, obviously for Brian Harson trying to use whatever talent you have as creative as you possibly can. And for a lot of these first-year coaches, Harson at Auburn, his roster depth is probably a little better than the situation at Tennessee with Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer at South Carolina. There are just low numbers at both those schools. I want to say, I saw this on Twitter the other day, I want to say that Tennessee may be down to as little as like 69 scholarship players right now. Um, so low numbers for a lot of these new coaches, trying to find a way to use all the talent you have at your disposal. Potentially at Auburn, big tight end, maybe uh, getting used, maybe on defense before the season's done. That could be worth paying attention to. By the way, speaking of Tennessee, I've been meaning to get this for a couple of days. There was a really good piece at 247sports.com the other day from Brandon Marcello about an interesting scenario potentially facing Tennessee where I said before you got these like really low numbers in that Vols program right now they've obviously been you know trying to go transfer portal trying to find whatever kind of stuff they're able to get in terms of you know getting guys to just fill out their roster and in some cases this may be you know kind of a tough situation tough choice on the way about do you welcome back to your program and this may be more of an issue for Vols fans themselves because there was a certain thought of, well, if a player doesn't want to be here, then I don't want to root for him. There's, sometimes that's the kind of stuff that ends up being said a little bit. But for some high-profile names like Kavaris Crouch and Henry Toto, guys that put their name in the transfer portal but as of yet have not really found a landing spot there as of yet, uh, there is some talk that, hey, maybe Tennessee might be just you know kind of in a position where if you're, if you're the Vols coaches, you want to welcome these players back because you need all the help you get. And um, if you're the Tennessee fan, you may be forced to kind of tolerate welcoming some of these guys back just on the basis of, you know, they had really no better place to go. They had an obvious spot waiting for them on the, you know, the roster there in Knoxville. They know the program well. So that's one of those things that's about to play out at Tennessee. Some of those names that have gone into the transfer portal have not quite found a comfortable landing spot yet. Maybe being re-recruited by this new Tennessee coaching staff, maybe returning back. There's also the thing where, you know, Harrison Bailey, the the quarterback out of Marietta, 
when Jeremy Pruitt was about to get fired, Bailey kind of went on Twitter to say, hey, just want everybody to know that I came to play for Jeremy Pruitt, essentially suggesting that he would leave the program if Pruitt got fired. Well, Pruitt is obviously gone now, and Bailey has really said nothing about that since then. He seems fairly entrenched. Maybe a few more of those other guys as well who were thinking they were going to leave the program because Pruitt was no longer there, maybe kind of thinking they're going to return back on that. I'll also squeeze in one more thing, and we'll do this a little bit more today. As I said on SEC Country Live, Matt Wyatt, terrific. I think Matt's a really good analyst. He's former Mississippi State quarterback. He does some YouTube stuff, things like that. He was on Twitter a little earlier this week to say that he was hearing that within the next five years, and by the way, interesting to think we're thinking about you know scheduling for Georgia coming five years out, that maybe there could be a lot different schedule stuff by the time you get there, that the idea of the full division schedules where you you know play your six other teams in your division each and every year and you play – you know, the one cross conference, cross divisional opponent and have the rotating game be the other other situation there. Matt White says on Twitter that he hears in the next five years that's going to come to an end. Matt's far from the only person to ever bring that up. But it certainly seems like, though, that within like the corridors of power within the SEC, even though this kind of comes up a lot, the actual league itself does not seem to be that much in favor of this. You know, I think that Auburn, for instance, seems like the fans would be the most open to making some sort of change, maybe getting out of the SEC West. is something they wouldn't mind doing, but the league itself just does not seem to be that interested in doing that. But that is out there from a you know reputable source in Matt Wyatt. So more of that this afternoon, 3 p.m. SEC Country Live on the SEC Country Facebook and SEC Country Live YouTube page. We'll see you there for that. And speaking of YouTube, as we wrap up here today, you know, one of the things I love to do is award our golden shoe here. It's a honor that goes out during our Gator Hater roll call for the fans who are showing those Gator Hater credentials, but also just doing big things to sort of step up and support us. And one of the ways we do that is for those of you that have made the decision to become a Dog Nation YouTube subscriber, you know, notifications on video has just kind of gotten a little bit weird some of you've complained about that there's really nothing that we can do about that we're kind of at the mercy of big tech when it comes to those notifications being shared but one of the things we do hear from our audience is hey youtube very consistent with sending those notifications out it's a good video experience almost everyone seems to think so if you read dognation.com or if you listen to dog nation daily the way to get even more dog nation is by becoming a dog nation youtube subscriber and sign up to get notifications when we go live for those of you who have you are the golden shoe winner for today. Gator Hater Countdown, 200 and is it 13 days today? Yeah, 213. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, where we get a chance to read some of your comments, both to me on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. And in the comment section, for those of you who join us there at dognation.com, big thanks to R.S. Andrews for making all this possible. The R.S. stands for Rapid Service. Find them online, rsandrews.com, for all your heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electric needs. few comments, some of this related to the Jermaine Burton stuff, some of this related to some of the recruiting success that Georgia has enjoyed the last few days. Uh, at Hippie Dog, a deadhead dog on Twitter says, uh, B.A., with all the injuries coming in regularly now, at what point do we raise an eyebrow to the strength and conditioning program at UGA? Or do we just chalk this up to the Georgia sport, uh, sports curse? Obviously, there are a lot of sports entities here in the state that have seemingly dealt with a lot of bad luck. And, you know, I said this to our video audience a moment ago. I am a believer that even when you see injuries kind of clustered together within one position group, to me, the most likely scenario is they're not related, that it is just bad luck. When similar things seem to occur, people do have a tendency to want to connect those together. But I have a tendency to think that's probably not the case. I you know, listen, 
you know, I, I, I do. And, and I, look, I'm also not saying this is someone who like works for Georgia. I'm a Georgia fan, but I don't work for Georgia. I have no reason to protect Georgia on something like this, carry the water. That's not the official, you know, network or anything like that. I'm free to say whatever I want, but I truly don't believe that, you know, the Burton injury is connected to the Pickens injury, which was connected to the Blaylock injury. Marcus Rosemi Jack St. Francis happened during a game. We would know that's not connected. That's also, I guess, more ankle. We're talking knees here. I don't think they're connected. And I've been pretty consistent about this throughout the years there as well. I mocked Alabama fans for trying to make a big deal about the series of linebacker injuries they dealt with a couple of years ago. I mocked the Auburn media for a series of defensive back injuries I believe it was for Auburn a couple of years ago that they kind of grilled Malzahn over most of the time this stuff is just not connected but our mind kind of wants to do it I do think it's a fair question hippie dog but I'm fairly confident in my answer although maybe some of you might disagree you can reach out to me if you do our buddy mad dog 19 had some fun with the idea of this he's a good you know um, edit guy and he had a good edit there on that Uh, Chip Gromlich weighing in on the subject that came up today about you know, home and home series and future of the Georgia Florida series, things like that. Chip saying on Twitter that he agrees with what Mike said on the show a little earlier, and what I guess Chris Doring has also said too that giving up the Florida game every other year, donors expect better schedules and experience. Note, uh, prior to COVID, Florida began considering reducing capacity and adding wider seat back chairs. Yeah, I mean, I think all the way around, we are in kind of an age in which, um, you know, the future of college football is, I don't want to say it's a precarious spot, but there's obviously, you know, big change on the horizon. I mean, in a way, it's kind of amazing that college sports are still as popular as they are. Like, we're going through the NCAA tournament right now. If you really think about it, you know, you can make case that the NCAA basketball tournament is one of, like, the three most popular sporting events in America. But college basketball is not one of the three most popular sports in America. I mean, college basketball is far down the list of actual, you know, year over year season, you know, month after month popularity. It's just not, it's not that popular, but somehow it's still this really, really popular sporting event. And, you know, obviously the NCAA works really hard to make sure that remains true. They're very protective of the brand and how it's used. They, They know that at a certain point in time, it's not more likely that the other NCAA sports become as popular as basketball. It's more likely that men's basketball becomes as, I don't want to say irrelevant, but as, as you know, outside the spotlight as some of the other NCAA sports are. That's the most likely trajectory in the future. That's why the NCAA is as protective with the brand of the uh, tournament as, as they are. It's a similar thing with football. Like college football just seems to be this like gigantic business. And it seems like um, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. But the rest of sports, in some respects, seems to be going the opposite direction. There's been a lot of talk about reduced TV ratings. College football hasn't been immune to that. But seeding ticket sales issues, a lot of professional sports. In some places in college football, uh, they haven't been immune to that either. The SEC, for the most part, has. Georgia for sure has. But everyone's kind of asking questions of what does the ticketing, ticketing experience look like in future years? And you know, trying to find a way to play the biggest game seems to be a part of that. Trying to find a way to, you know, improve your stadium experience seems to be a part of that. But as far as like what donors at Georgia prefer, I mean, I think a lot of the donors who are not necessarily connected to the Atlanta metropolitan area or the Athens area, many of those are connected to that South Georgia area. If you're going to say what do donors want, uh, it's the donors right now, I believe, who are the most in favor of the the Georgia Florida game there in Jacksonville. Now, listen. I love the cocktail party. I'm not going to let somebody come in here and tell me, you know, what Georgia needs to do with its traditions. The cocktail party for me has been a very special tradition for Georgia. 
But I'm obviously aware of the fact that there could come a time where logistically it just becomes difficult to keep the game in Jacksonville because of the way that the scheduling model is potentially changing at the SEC or at the national college football level. But I remain a fan of it. I'm going to remain someone who's going to argue in favor of keeping it there. And I would say for now, majority opinion still is on the on the side of the Jacksonville thing for the moment. But but that could change. And clearly Kirby Smart, the moments in which he's argued against that, that does hold some weight, but it's not it's not a it's not enough alone to get the thing changed. So interesting comment there on that. As far as a couple comments there at dognation.com here for a moment. Uh Storm Blessed over here on uh the comment section referencing me using the phrase doxed on the show yesterday. I said I'm going to really try to be very careful about not doxing uh, George, uh, I should say opposing fans on the show. What brought this to mind for me, Storm, was the other day. Um, uh, so like somebody sent me a really funny golden shoe, but it was of a Florida fan's license plate. And I was like getting ready to just sort of show it on the show. I was like, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't just put this Florida fan's license plate on the show, even though the golden shoe itself was really, really funny. So I had to like black box some of it out. And anytime you're starting to get into like some of those kind of, you know, Photoshop style edits, that's obviously not my strength necessarily. So, but I was doing it anyway, because I'm like, I'm not going to put this person's license plate on the show, no matter how funny this might be. And so same thing with some tweets from some of the Tennessee fans who were upset about Jordan James. It's like, I'll vaguely reference these, but let me not show their Twitter handle. I'll show Georgia fans, you know, tweets on the screen all the time because for the most part, Georgia fans would like to see that and they would have fun with that. But I'm going to try to be careful not to put opposing fans business out there on Front Street, even the ones who are sometimes mean to me on Twitter there as well. By the way, speaking of mad Tennessee fans, Silver Britch is having some fun to say that he was uh you know laughing about Tennessee fans being sorry about the Jordan James thing and yeah I mean if you really want to judge the value of a commitment judge how unhappy some opposing fan base is about all of that in this case Tennessee and to kind of wrap all this up and finish the conversation you know while you do have another new coaching staff at Tennessee brand new coaching staff at South Carolina brand new coaching staff at Auburn. That really is a way for Georgia to make inroads additionally into some areas in all those states where you can occasionally get some players. You know, Georgia's hotbed for recruiting is never going to be in Alabama, Tennessee, or South Carolina. It's going to be in its own state and then, you know, national stuff too. But, you know, Channing Tindall comes from Columbia, South Carolina. He's a really good football player. You know, uh, Jordan James coming out of the state of Tennessee has the look of a really good running back potentially. And, you know, on and on you can go with a lot of that kind of stuff. Monty Rice coming out of Alabama. For some reason, that's just the first name that, that, that pops to mind there. That if you can plant your flag, kind of encroach more on some of that land around you with these new coaching staffs, you know, building themselves up here, just a chance for Georgia to take advantage. And right now it seems like that is exactly what Georgia's doing. Thanks for being here on our podcast, Cool Down Today. Uh, make sure you hit me up at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter. Share your question or comment there or Go to the comment section at the bottom of the page at dognation.com. You can see more of that there as well. Thanks for being here. We'll see you back tomorrow as a part of our podcast, Cool Down, presented by R.S. Andrews, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Y'all have a great day, everybody.